So tell me, since we're starting early, how many of you have kids? <laughs> All of you, yes. How many of you have kids that are young, younger than elementary? Okay. And how many of you have kids that are younger than elementary and elementary? It will be hard to hear because he's yeah. loud anyway. It gets worse. <laughs> I just gave the heads up. We can talk over it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Makes me wonder when I'm teaching in there what that. It is pretty loud. Are both yeah. doors? I think there's two doors. Let me see if they're both shut. No. Well, this is locked, so that won't work. Oh, well. Okay, we'll ignore them. We can do that because we're moms, right? We can block out what we don't want to hear, right? <laughs> um, how many of you have uh, preschool to elementary? Okay, how many have just elementary? Just elementary? Okay, how about, how about elementary, junior high? How about junior high, high school? Okay, high school, college. Okay, all right. And out of college? Okay. I think next summer I might do one on mothering young adults, because <laughs> that's a whole different package, I gotta tell you, but good. All right, um, how many have a mixture of boys and girls? Okay, how many have all girls? None of you have all girls. Okay. How about all boys? Oh, yeah, a lot of testosterone in your household. <laughs> good, good. Even have a dog that's a boy? <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Um, that's my other one. Oh, I can't remember. How many have done public school? Okay. How many private school? Okay. How many of you changed schools on your kids more than once? How many of you have done that without a move? <laughs> okay, that poses its own problems. Yeah, good. I had a mom call me this week. I just made this educational decision for my daughter, and she is so ticked at me. What do I do? I said, suck it up. She'll be fine. Give her, give her a little bit of time, and she'll, she'll work it through. Actually, that wasn't my exact words, but that's what I meant when I said it. <laughs> Good. Well, I, um, I want to first start with a word of prayer because I need all the help I can get. So I'm going to um, pray first if you would join me. Lord, we thank you that you um, have created us as moms, and you've given us each unique personality styles, and you have given our children the exact opposite, and we're so thankful. <laughs> and Lord, we just... Uh, we. We depend on you, we need you, we love you, and um, we pray that today will be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. If that doesn't bug me, it's not going to bug you, so I'm going to work really hard at it. <laughs> Good. So in my quiet time this morning, one of the things that I, in my own life, work on all the time is that I want my life to have purpose. Every day, I want it to count for something. So as I was listening to Andrea this morning, I was just taking notes of how she did her talk, because I'm always trying to learn from that. And I love that, and I thought, okay, she, she had a scripture, she had a thought, and she had a mode. So she, you know, the scripture was from Ephesians, and her thought was forgiveness, unforgiveness, and her mode was, was the soil, which was great. And um, so I was thinking of that today, and I thought, what is my main scripture? Well, I didn't take a main scripture when I wrote this, because 
I'm a really, really practical person. Last summer, I taught organization classes. That's just my, anybody do those with me last summer, last Labor Day? Oh, well, I'll throw in a few things then for free. But um, I, I, that's me, I'm just really practical. So when I look at God's word, it's like, what do you want me to do? That's kind of my thought. And so um, I'm learning about being rather than doing. And that's a hard thing for a checklist person. I like checklists, even if they go on and on and on. Um, there's something about coloring it in or filling it in, and I will write down things that I've already done in the past and check it off. But I would say that one of the passages that has meant a lot to me that really fills this up comes from the Lord's Prayer, where he says, um, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. That is like a big thing for me because I want to be about God's kingdom. So I pray for his kingdom to come. Not just the final return of Christ, but his kingdom work that he's doing in my day, I want to be part of it. And that's the part of me that needs purpose in my day. And then your will be done. There's, it speaks of surrender, right? And I know for me, being strong-willed, I need to surrender every day my will to God's will. So that's my scripture. <laughs> All right? And then my mode is, how do we do that through mothering? How do we do that through mothering? And how do we need courage through our mothering? Because we do need courage. All right, let me turn this thing on. I want to give you my resume. You've already seen this picture because my husband stole it from me. But this is the family. And... And uh, he kind of described who they were, but I'll give you a little mother's perspective. So our oldest is Megan, and she's married to Eric, these two. And they don't like to stand next to each other, obviously. But (laughs) no, it just didn't happen that way. And Rachel Williams took this picture, as she does most all of our pictures for Family Camp, which she does an awesome job. Um, So Megan and Eric... They're Wheaton grads. They met in Colorado after graduation. They, um, he's a high school teacher, chemistry teacher. The only reason he made it into our family is because he likes baseball. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, just a chemistry nerd. We didn't want him. <laughs> I keep trying to t- tell him, you need to do some chemistry that involves cooking with your kids. You know, but high schoolers, it's a whole They have their whole thing, whatever. And then Aubrey is the cute one over here with a little diamond in her nose, which she showed up to Mount Hermon one summer with that in her nose. I'm like, where'd you do that from? You know, she's so sweet. She works, um, she's a Biola grad. She works for Target and manages one of their stores in Parker, Colorado, and hates it and is looking for a new job. So if you have a new job for her, let me know. I'm a Target management survivor, too. You're a target manager survivor? Oh, cool. Oh, let's talk. I know. Now I teach. Oh, there you go. I know. She's so funny. She, uh, she tells me, Mom, when you walk into Target, you don't go in with your list. They tell you what to buy. You know, and you know that's true. And then uh, the next one is Noelle. She's over here. Or some of you may know her as Olaf. She's worked here at camp. And she is a Moody Bible Institute student. She was home over Christmas, started feeling kind of lousy, ended up in the hospital for two weeks with a perforated appendix. Yeah, tell me about it. And they couldn't take it out because she was so swollen and yucky inside, so she had to take a semester off of school. 
So our empty nest became a nether nest again. And uh, she, she is actually back. On, she had her appendix out in March, and now she's back at school. Praise the Lord. Um, and then uh, Caleb is our baby, and he was Bronco all summer in childcare. And uh, he is six foot two, so when I say baby, it's relative. And he attends Liberty University, and they played Syracuse yesterday. So he sent lots of pictures of him in red with his face painted. And I said, I'm just glad you're not one of the guys that took off their shirt and painted, you know, the letter on their chest. So, um, and raising a boy is very different than raising girls. Um, very different. And I can tell you my kids love Bronco. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Yeah, he has loved being here on his summer camp. But they left because they had to go to school again. So, and it, this is my, my resume for teaching this class, is the four of them. They are all alive. <laughs> and better, they all walk with Jesus. And that's God's grace. And mercy has nothing to do with me. Well, maybe a little bit. But you know what I'm saying? He has... Um, he has guarded that in our life for some reason. He doesn't do that for everybody, but praise the Lord for that. For now, I say, right? So I want to ask you as a mom or dad, since we have dad in here, where do you need courage today? Where do you need courage? Um, my son's a seventh grader, and Pascal and I were talking, you know, he's uh, 12, going to be 13. Mm-hmm. You know, the world, and he doesn't have a phone. I don't believe in him having a phone, and, mm-hmm. which is unlike the world and mm-hmm. all his friends. And just, you know, in this time of transition, I pray that God's voice is his voice first and then mine. And it's yeah. His. But just dealing with as his body's changing, as he's, you know, stepping into that early adolescent, right. you know, that whole, like, Courage. especially as a mother, mm-hmm. as a single mom, making sure to, I want to have all those conversations with him, but just the right time and the right thing, not telling him too much, but telling him enough. Right. Yeah, parenting an adolescent, boy or girl. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say similar. As a single mom raising boys without a productive father figure. Yep, that's a good. That's a good one. I'm come from that background, so I can speak into that a little bit. Yes. I'm a mom of three. I got a six, three, and a twenty-one month old, and I'm loving the older phase, but I'm really struggling to still enjoy the toddler years. Yeah. Knowing what's ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. Just wait. You know, you've heard this. The little ones take all the physical energy. The older ones take all the emotional, mental energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, raising children who love the Lord when I was not brought up in a home where, um, where we love Jesus. Right. So, new generation. A new generation of, of redemption. Yes. What a cool opportunity you have. Perspective. But still, but still, it's, it's scary, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Um, and um, turned turned away from God because of what he experienced over there, and now um, and all of his injuries from jumping out of the plane, right? Come back past went on opiates, so um, he's off that, but he's on marijuana. Oh yeah, so you and got so, a whole bucket load there. And so I've grown immensely, but yeah, help, but, Lord, help, but, right? Um, and I have this most tender relationship with God, but I am weary. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to all give her love before we leave today because I know that's not easy. One more over here. Yes. Dealing with an adult daughter who's full of bitterness and doesn't walk with Christ. She should have been here this morning. Yeah. It was really good. Good. I love that bitterness about it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's right. Well, here's a little definition of courage for you that I like. There are many. But I said, as a a mom, we continually need courage. Courage is is the ability to act fully on what I believe, even when I'm afraid or when I'm not sure of the outcome. Like, you have no control, but you need to move forward and act on it. Um, And I want to be brave to go against the flow of culture. Anybody... I heard a little bit about that today. Yeah, I want to be smart and educated on how to apply God's word to everyday life with my children. That's important to me. And I want to love them with pluck, with nerve, with boldness in ways that the world doesn't love. And I can only do that through the power of Jesus in me. Um, But I know myself, and I know my shortcomings, and my propensity to react rather than respond. Anybody relate? Those are all good R words. And doggone if I don't like being right. (laughs) And I'm not really a people pleaser. So if I'm right, I'm right. (laughs) And that's been a challenge in my role as mom. Um, Today we're going to discuss three different topics. I'm holding this because I have no place to hook it, okay? It's my cell phone. That's good. Um, We're going to talk about how to have courage to fill up and follow Jesus. We're going to talk about how to have courage to talk and train our children and how to have courage to listen and love them. So I just gave you all your fill-ins. Now you can sleep. But before I begin, I want to add a disclaimer to my resume, okay? First, I want you to know that I am a mom just like you, okay? I don't come to you with any psychological training except that I'm still psychologically sound after raising four. (laughs) At least, I think I am. (laughs) Um, I I don't have any training in marital counseling, any of that. My credential is MOM, okay? Um, And I want to share also that I want to share experiences from our life as well as from God's word for you to help in any way that I can. And I feel like my job is just to encourage you. And those of us that are a little further along the road in mothering, I like to say it's going to work out because it does. Some of the things that we fear the most are really normal, natural things that will work out in time. And you've seen that in other areas of your life, I'm sure. But we do play a part, and we play a really important part as the nurturer in our family. Um, And then I want to give you my very best tool. Okay, I'm going to give it to you right at the beginning. (laughs) It's the restart button. The restart button. What do you do when your phone acts up and it will not do what you want it to do? You power it down, right? You leave it off for a few seconds, and then you power it back up. Why? Because it resets itself to all its defaults after you've screwed it up, okay? (laughs) And it starts again, and it works better. And sometimes in life, we just need to stop in the direction we're going and hit the restart. We need to pause and say, this is not working with this child. 
what do I do different? And it means a few steps, and then you restart. And our oldest, we, Megan, we would tell her over and over again, you are the guinea pig. You are the oldest. You're the guinea pig. We're going to try it on you. If it works, we'll do it with the others. If not, we'll drop it. So she knows that. But it, actually, they're all different, right? And it doesn't always work the same. Yeah. There are, there's very little in the Bible that talks about mothering. But there are many, or fathering, but there are, well, no, there's more about fathering than there is about mothering. Yeah. But there are many good principles that I, I want us to think about and learn. There are teachings to cling to to build a foundation for being a good mom. And um, I, I really just want to give you courage. And I, this, is, this is what another thought on courage. I want you to have courage to believe in Jesus and to trust him. That's a big thing, to trust him, to live out your faith with conviction towards your children. Courage to live out what you know and you've learned in your heart from Jesus with your children. That's not always the easiest, but that's where we're going to go to today. All right, so the first idea is to fill up and follow. Fill up and follow. And the three ideas with that are meet with God, spend time in his word, Time praying and time with other moms in community with them. Um, I think we are really good at thinking we can do it on our own. Anybody, anybody with me on that? Yeah, you do. You get up, you start your day. As long as you have coffee, you think you're good. But those of you that drink coffee or tea, but you're not. You're not good unless you plug in to the power source. And I love to think of this. Where do you think your great words of wisdom are going to come from for your children if you aren't asking God for them? And where do you think the discernment to know something's going on in my kid's head and I can't figure it out and their behavior is showing it, where do you think discernment to get to the main issue is going to come from if you're not asking God for it? I know in my own human experience that my own wisdom is not nearly as good as God's. And sometimes he'll just give me a bing, this is what this is about. And I'll be like, oh, it is. So we got to fill up. That means you got to spend time in his word. If you're not doing that, hit the restart button. Find time in your day to meet with Jesus and get into his words. Because that's where your wisdom is going to come from. And that's where your encouragement is going to come from. Um, I, my reading this morning was about Paul going to Macedonia. And it was like God shut the door here and wouldn't let him go there. And God shut the door here and wouldn't let him go there. Well, I can do that. I can apply that easily to parenting. There are times when I try something with my kid and it just doesn't work. And it's like God shuts the door and says, no, that's not the way to do it. I'm going to direct you this way. I mean, there are lots of things in here I can read and look at. And in right in the middle of it, there's, um, there's a girl who's able to tell the future, and Paul stops because she's bugging him, and she, he casts a demon out of her, like, and, and then she's normal. You know, it's like, okay, are there demons in my children? No. no. <laughs> okay, so that one doesn't apply. So I just keep reading. <laughs> 
You get, you get the idea that there's, there's so much in there that God can say. There's the easy response of believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's right in that passage. I need that for today. I'm saved. I'm new. But I need to remember that Jesus is the one that did that and I did not do it on my own. And, and that's a thank you, Lord, today. And to remember to tell my children, do you realize that you are new today and that Jesus saved you? I want you to remember that today. I do that to my adult children. I will text them. I read this today. I'm saved. Jesus did it. Just want you to know. Like, I want you to know he did this for you too. That's what I'm reading spilling out on my kids somehow. And then I encourage them to get in their Bibles and read. And they, can't, they won't do that if I'm not in mine, right? So I give, I'm going to give a plug to my Bible here because I'm going to try to do this one-handed. Um, I bought this Bible. I sat down on the ground at Lifeway one year. I, was, I work with non-believers um, mostly in our church and seekers and returners. And I needed a Bible that was really easy for them, but that meant something to me. So I found this Bible as I sat on the floor, and I had all these Bibles out on the floor. The lady in the bookstore is looking at me. like I said, I'm going to buy the best one. But I found it's called the Wayfinding Bible. I don't know if you can see that. But what it's, it's in the New Living Translation, which was great for non-believers. It's great for kids because the language level is at their reading level a little bit better. Okay, it is a translation, not a paraphrase. So, and what it does is it gives you the Bible in normal order, and then it gives you these reading plans to read through with no dates, right? Dates craze us out because we can't keep up, and then we're behind, and we're a loser, and we stop. So this allows us, it, the first one is called the flyover route. It has 52 readings through the Bible, and it puts them in chronological order. So you get the big picture. Yes, amen. You get the big picture of, of the story of God. And then you go back, and it gives you the direct route, and you follow the arrow through this time. Still chronological, adds in more passages. It's got commentary, but it's got application. It's got pictures. Like, here's the size of the ark. Here's the size of the Queen Mary. Here's the size of the Titanic. I mean, I call it an American Bible because it, you know, has American stuff in it. Like, if, if you wanted to know how far it was from Abraham to walk to, from Ur to the Promised Land, it was like walking from California partway out into the Atlantic Ocean. You know, so I love, I love those kind of things. So this has been a great read for me. I read, the, I read the book of Romans in the New Living Translation. I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> you know, like it just puts it in a fresh perspective. So I bought every one of my kids one of these, and they all love them. And you can just keep reading through. So fill up on God's Word. That's so important. Um, get your kids in God's Word. Caleb and I read through the one-year Bible one year when he was in middle school. Because you know what middle schoolers have to do? They have to read nonfiction. And they don't like to read nonfiction. Anybody have a child that that's really hard, nonfiction? Well, it was for my kids. They'd rather read a story anytime. So the Bible gives them nonfiction that is a story, right? It's perfect. It was great till we got to Song of Solomon. <laughs> and then he wanted me to read. He didn't want to read out loud. Or he's like, could dad come in and read this with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. The other part is prayer. 
what are you doing to fill up with, with prayer? I'm serious. You can't do it on your own. You've got to depend on God. And it just means, if you think, I don't have time to pray, or I pray on the fly as I go, well, that's good, but there's something that is so good and rich and deep for a mom or dad to sit and fill up on God's word and then pray it back to him. Like, thank you, Lord, that if I believe in you, I am saved. That was my prayer this morning of thanksgiving to him. So it's this following through. I pray the Lord's prayer every time I pray when I'm in a prayer time with the Lord because it's, it's predictable and easy for me. And I type all my prayers on my computer because I can type faster than I can journal. And I can type and look out the window. And then it's a mess, but I go back and clean it up. But I, I type out my prayers and I go through the Lord's prayer each day. And, you know, give us this day our daily bread. I'm like, okay, God, whatever you have for me that is from your hand today that no one else could give me, I'm going to watch for it today. It may be in one of my kids. It may be through my husband. It may be through just a moment of I just can take a deep breath and stand in the beauty of this place. And that's what I needed for my daily bread today. Thank you, Lord. And I often thank him for what I experienced the day before and then ask with anticipation of what he's going to give me today. Prayer is so powerful for us moms. And then as I get to the end, then I start praying for my kids and for other people, for government, for the things like that. And not every day, but I get there when I can. But I always pray for my kids. And um, I try to teach my children to pray the same way. I try to teach them... And I shoot them texts all the time because we all live far apart. And I'm like, I prayed for you today. This is what I prayed for you. Tell your kids what you're praying for. Couch it well. Like one of my kids, I pray for self-control for her. But I have to say it easily. Like I prayed what God put on my heart for you today. Self-control again, you know. <laughs> but but I, I do. I pray for those things over and over and over and over again for my kids. And I'll tell you, I raising teenage girls, anybody? Yeah? It's not easy. And there are times when you just want to put them in a box and cut a hole to put food through. And there are times when I say, I'm not on this. Dad, this is yours. <laughs> A lot. And if you don't have a dad, then you're still on it, right? But when you can turn things over to dad, it's so much better for your relationship with your teenage daughter. I wrote happy birthday to my oldest who turned 28. And I said how much I loved her and how easy she was to raise, except for those two years. (laughs) You know, there were a couple years in there when she was a teenage girl that was really hard. I had another daughter I struggled with for quite a while. And I'm like, okay, I need a good book because our personalities are so different. She's a verbal processor. She, like, she'll tell you something here. That's the point. But then she says it again this way and this way and this way and this. Yeah. And I'm like, I got it here, like in the first five minutes, and now some of you moms are that way, I know, this is so funny, and your kid really only wants to hear this, 
Yeah, it's a lesson to be learned. We'll talk about talking in a little bit, but that, I mean, it's really important. But I had this issue, and I thought, I need a good book. I need a child counselor to help me. So I asked a girlfriend if she could, you know, recommend a good child psychologist. I was willing for help. And she said, oh, yeah, I have a great one. But she will not help you. She will not even see you until you have spent 30 days at that child's bed when they're asleep in prayer. I'm like, duh, God could help me. I've been a believer since I was 12, and I just got that concept. You know what I mean? Again, I got it again and again. But guess what? After 30 days, she was completely better. No, she was the same. She didn't change one bit. You guys, oh, you're not awake. You're not awake. She did not change, but I did. Yes, yes. God totally changed my thinking, my patience, my figuring out that it's my job as the parent to figure out how to parent this child in a way that is healthy for her. Like, it's not okay for her to spit all her feelings out on me. It's not good for me. It's not good for her. But there are ways to teach her how to do that in a more constructive way. Self-control is a piece of that. So praying for those things. So prayer is important. And then, oh, and then I had this recommendation that this is a book called Upside Down Prayers for Parents. And it's really about praying the prayers that are going to develop the character of our child over the protection of our child. Um, prayers that help us as we need to parent them through failure. You know, we, I, I talked about parenting our kids through failure and how failure is good for them. It's good for their character. And then my sweet son, who had a summer crush, got broken up with. And I got to walk through failure and disappointment with him. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm never talking about that again, <laughs> you know, because then, then it happens to them, you know. But this is a great thought you can use. The other thing I talk about is walking with other moms in community. And a lot of you do that, like you get involved in mops or you have friends around you. Do not isolate yourself when you're raising kids. You need the mom down the street that will say, oh, yeah, I took away their you know, video games for the month because they didn't do this. And I'm like, oh, I could do that too, you know. <laughs> or courage to, to walk side by side and to be strong in your mothering. Sometimes we just need to know that another mom will do the same thing. Or something that you're doing well with your children as you share it with another mom, they're going to say, oh, I'm going to link arms with you on this one. You know, so as I send my son down to the Carlsons to play, they don't get to play video games. They're outside playing. Outside, like creating railroad or uh, roller coaster tracks through everything in the trees and the sand, building great stuff. I'm so with my friend Kristen. You know, so, so bond up together. Fill up, and, and then the second one is follow. Follow God in your mothering, in your parenting. Fill up and follow. And, and how do you do that? You fill up in worship of God. You fill up in serving God. And you fill up um, by being missions-minded, teaching your children to think outside of themselves in any way you can.
um, worship. Your, your kids need to be in church. They need, and worship is not just music, right? We, we've labeled music worship, but that's not really what it is. It's, it's the singing part of worship. And then we have the teaching part of worship and the giving part of worship. How are, how are you in your own faith, in your own walk, worshiping God and teaching your children to worship God? I want to encourage you. I want to give you courage that it is okay to attend church every week or every week that you can. It's, it's important for their growth. It's important. Think how many hours they spend in a classroom with a good teacher probably, but maybe not a Christian teacher. And hearing from a lot of you in California what your kids are being taught in public school, they need to be in God's house, and they need you to put them there. And I'm just going to tell you, Facebook is not church. Just, just going to put that out there. What you feed them, they get used to. What you feed them, they get used to. Alistair Begg said that. I love that. I'd have parents that say, I can't take my kid to church every week. I certainly am not going to make them sit through church and Sunday school. And I would say, talk to the hand. <laughs> I, I know, I'm a little hard. But I, it was like, I was a pastor's wife. I took four kids to church every Sunday by myself. I was single in that. Like, he didn't even go to Sunday school with me because he would be preaching. Lame excuse, you know? <laughs> Just, I, I, I did it because my kids needed to be there. They needed to be there. And then serving. Oh, by the way, if your kid says, I'm bored, then you can say, okay, you know, we all do things that we don't like to do, but you're going to go for now because I know this is best for you. If they say it again and again and again, then I would show up. Why is this boring for my child? Show up. See what they're learning. See how it's being done. And you might say, oh, yeah, this is really boring. <laughs> and you might want to dig in and help. Um, youth group-wise, we gave our kids the choice. They did not have to go to our church youth group. They could choose a different church. And for our two oldest, our church at the time they were there was probably around 2000, and they just wanted to be not in the fishbowl at youth group. So they chose outside youth groups, a different church or like K-Life or a different kind of youth group. That was fine as long as they were engaged with kids their age in community learning how to worship. That was so important. So I want to give you courage that it's okay to have them do that. And then, and then along with that, um, our youngest two, they liked being in the youth group. And they got involved, and they served in it along the way. And it was just a whole, our church had, it's a long story. But it went, it's, it was a huge church by the time our other two were in it. And they could get lost in it. So it was okay for them. Yeah, question. Um, did you force your kids to choose? Like, I mean, I'm at a, an age where <coughs> my son chooses not to go to youth group, and we're, we're trying to get him to go, and he, he's, he's at the point now, he's 13, where he says, you can't force me to go, oh. or I have too much homework. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was not a choice as long as they were part of our family. Do you feed your children? I'm sorry? Do you feed your children? As in? Uh-huh. Yes. Do you provide a bed for them? Yes. Do you do their laundry? Sometimes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are they financially um, able to live on their own, or do they depend on you? Oh, there's your ground. Seriously, you are the parent. Do I have to tell you all that? I'm, I'm not picking on you, but we all, I mean, we want to love our chi- children. We want to listen to them, but they are children. And when they are 13, this is not here, developed completely. And they, they need loving guidance to move forward. And they're going to get that if you are plugged in and you are invested. So serve. You guys serve. Serve in your church, in your local church. If if it's not your church, pick an organization outside of your church that is Christ-centered because it's got to have kingdom purpose in my mind and you are surrendered to Jesus under that, right? So pick a pregnancy care clinic or something that involves your church. I also think you serve in non-Christian things. Uh, Remember, I work with non-believers all the time. I love that. And we were totally involved in our kids' schools. By the end of of my fourth kid, I was the president of the PTO for the whole district, not just my school, having influence over PTO presidents through the whole district. It was really important to me to be involved. Um, Serve. And then be missions-minded. We took our kids and we did missions with them. Each one of them, when they were in high school, we took them on an individual missions trip. Um, The last one, we had moved here, and I'm like, oh, great. Now where are we going to go? We're camp directors, not pastors. So how do we do missions with our kid? So we actually, Mount Hermon partners with a camp in China. That I'll just leave nameless, but they... They have four or five different Christian huge ministries that go through that camp all the time. And we went and we took our oldest or our youngest son to China. And he got to see what life was like being a believer in China. Whole different picture there. So, and our, Megan, our oldest daughter, we, well, when we were younger, when they were younger, we did a lot with downtown missions in Denver, and we took the kids as a family. We'd go to Open Door Ministries, and they had houses, these houses where people, women could come off the street, or men, and they'd go through a program for a couple years. So we went to the Kaya house, and we brought stuff to help the ladies make dinner which was hilarious because most of them never learned how to cook. And they were making it with my two-year-old, you know. So, and then we brought gingerbread houses. And we, it was Christmas time. And we built gingerbread houses with them. It was so rewarding. Aubrey played her clarinet, you know. Who doesn't like a, you know, junior hire on a clarinet? <laughs> but they were so, they were so tolerant is what I want to say. But they loved on my kids, and my kids got a touch of the city. Megan now works full-time for Open Door. She lived in the Kaya house as a sponsor for a couple years, and now she raises money for Open Door. That's her ministry. It's like God put it in her heart because I made her go and serve. 
You know, we, but, but we can't just send them to do it. We have to be the example. It spills out of our filling up and following Jesus, right? When we do it and we make it like real, it's not always easy, but it's real. They get it. They get it. And they want to be part of it. They really do. All four of them are walking and serving in the local church still to this day by God's grace, not by me. By God's grace, seriously. But there were steps along the way. All right, any questions or snide remarks? Yes. I, guess, I don't really know quite how to articulate this, but I think maybe kind of piggybacking back on what you yeah. say. Just more of, I think that that's like half the reason that I hear the word courage is, you know, you always hear those stories about the nice Christian family, but then their kids, you know, like, oh, my parents forced church down our throat and make me do all this. And they kind of grow up and they do have the rebellious mm-hmm. whatnot. You know, I am listening to you mm-hmm. and I think what I really admire, you have a way about you of being very firm yet gentle. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess just in the way that you specifically did it, is there anything like extra that stands out about how you did it besides the fact that you just told them they had no option? Well, she's authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make the difference, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. my mother-in-law is a rebellious Catholic because you had to be one mm-hmm. way on Sunday and everything else was thrown out the window, mm-hmm. right? The kids aren't stupid. They're seeing that. Mm-hmm. But if you're authentically struggling, communicating, look, I could be doing this, but I'm going to my Bible study right now. Or I want you to go to youth group. I'm open. If you can find another youth group you like, but it's important to us, and here's why. I understand the struggle with your homework. Let's look at it on Sunday night because youth group's on Monday night. What can you do differently? You're collaborating with them and making it authentic. It's a part of your life. You're with them. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I've got a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old right now, and my 17-year-old wouldn't miss youth group right now. But let me tell you, two years ago, my foot was pretty far up his tushy getting them going there. Yeah. So there's, you know, I mean, you've got to... Just be authentic and real. I'm struggling with this as a mom. Right. I hear where you are. Yeah. You know, know. Our kids all have periods of doubt, and some of that came their sophomore year of college. You know, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but walking through their doubt with them and saying, gosh, I've had doubt, and I still have doubt in some areas. There are some currents of doubt in my life. I know we're there. I pray that prayer, forgive me for my unbelief, you know? I, I do that, and I think God knows how hard it is. And I think if you have faith, there's going to be doubt. I think they're partners in a lot of ways. And um, so courage to know what the scripture says, to know what God's doing in your own life, to live your life out for your kids, and to live it authentically before them. Yeah, and if you have a child that's struggling with it, then, you know, you admit that it's not always easy, and I get why you're struggling, but you're going to have to trust me that I know what's ahead for you, and I know that my job, I have told my kids a hundred times, I know you don't get this, but this is, you are entrusted to me by God, and this is what God has put on my heart for you, so I'm going to go with it, because I trust him, and And if I make a mistake, I'm going to hit the restart button and say, I was wrong. 
church isn't good for you. <laughs> Pick what you want, you know? Yeah, not really, but you understand what I'm saying? I, I think that's part of it. I think that's why I, I coupled it, like, be in God's word. Teach your kid how to be in God's word. Pray. Teach your kid how to pray. You know, follow Jesus. Teach your kid how to follow him. How do you follow Jesus? You serve him, you love him, you talk about him. It's that passage in Leviticus about when I rise, you're with me. When I, you know, I teach him when I'm sitting down, I'm slaughtering it. But you know what I'm saying. That if you know that passage, you can look it up. Google it. All right, I'm going to move ahead so I don't run out of time. I want to add this in here because um, it's really important in this whole thing because it's easy to have a list of do's and don'ts. And I put it in because this is part of my work that I'm working on in my own heart. There, I'm accountable to you all. <laughs> As Christians, we don't believe in a list of do's and don'ts, but uh, we, we don't really even believe in the teachings of Jesus. You're thinking about that, aren't you? We believe in Jesus, in the person of Jesus. And his teachings come out of who he is, right? People who follow other gods, they believe in their teachings. They don't believe in that God. But we believe in Jesus. Is your personal relationship with Jesus spilling out on your kids? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Are you daily walking with him? You can choose to surrender each day to him and believe he is the son of God and he was sent to save you. And your mothering is going to take a whole U-turn if you do that. For the better. If you're not sure about it, come ask me. I, I can give you more illustrations on I, I always say, Jesus works. Believing in Jesus works. Even when we're weary, it works. And there's a couple passages that talk about that. I am the resurrection and the life. No one, or the one who believes in what I tell you to do, will live. No, it's not there, right? The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. You may have heard this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in everything that you're taught to do, right, shall not perish but have eternal life. You can't get there by works. You can't get there by doing. You can only get there by believing in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, it should spill out into who you are every single day. And if it isn't, Hit the restart. <laughs> That's why you're here at Mount Hermon, perhaps. Power down. Tell your kids to run and play, and you're going for a walk, and hit the creek. I have a rock, a log, a place, and sand down by the creek where I went probably 20 years ago in the midst of parenting a bunch of little ones. And I sat and listened to that creek, and I let God hit the restart on me to realize how much he loved me and how I was trying to do it on my own. But he, he wants to do it for me. He wants to change who I am. If, if you don't know him, and you have been trying to mother on your own or father on your own, come talk to me. I want to help you in that. OK? All right, the next one is to talk and train. Courage to talk and train. 
These are big things. And this goes along with helping those teenage kids especially. Um, we need to communicate with our children. We've got to communicate with them. We need to ask good questions. And each child we have is going to look different. Um, I'm going to tell you a mom fail because I think that will help. <laughs> Here goes transparency for you. We decided, Mike and I, that... If we had girls, I would tell them about sex. If we had boys, Mike would tell them about sex. Well, he lucked out because he got one, and he got the baby, so he got to watch me do it with the first three, right? So in Colorado, where we raised our family, um, they get sex ed in fifth grade. That's the end of elementary school there. And, and, um, but they shift playgrounds from third grade to fourth grade. So we decided in that shifting year from third grade to fourth grade is when we were going to have the sex talk with them because when they shift playgrounds, that makes a difference, okay? And I got to tell you, there's a lot of fifth grade girls that have their period now, fourth grade sometimes, which is really weird. We can, that's a whole other topic. But um, it was my turn, first child out, Megan, the guinea pig, right? We're in the car. She's buckled in, third grade, safe because she's buckled in. I decided a topic came up about it, and so she may have asked a question. And so I'm teaching her about sex ed through the rear view mirror, <laughs> where, she, where I didn't really have to look at her because I really needed to look at the road. But yeah, but that was our conversation. Not the best idea. <laughs> we get to the grocery store. And then she told me this this year. We, did a, we taught a mother-daughter conference here at at Mount Hermon, and I taught it with my adult girls, which was fascinating to me, um, because everything I said, they could either say, ah, no, it didn't happen that way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but she said to me this year, she goes, Mom, do you know that we got to the grocery store, and I was looking, and I'm like, oh, that lady does that? <gasps> that man does that? <laughs> so funny. By the third daughter, I got it down, I, you know, and the other two jumped on the bed and helped me, so that was good. But open communication with our kids, not being afraid to hide our own failures. Um, but not, they don't need to hear all your failures, but they need to hear some of them. A majority of them, I would say. We need to ask lots of good questions, not accusatory questions. Mothers. <laughs> all right. Like, what do you like about your friend? What's hard about her? What's your family like? Do you know how deep you can get quickly with a good question that draws out the answer? With boys, you've got to ask questions that require more than a one-word answer. <laughs> or you get a grunt. Yeah, yeah, even dad laughed. I heard it. Keep communication open and ongoing. It, it helps with understanding when the difficult topics arise, if you have good channels of communication. Um, you've already developed your system of expectations and a high trust level if you are willing to talk to them. I learned this week one of summer, so I'm going to give it out as free bait, okay? Um, at your dinner table, start talking with your adolescents about the hard faith questions, the hard ones. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, if God is a God of love, why doesn't he accept all forms of love? All kinds of good questions out there. 
um, ask them at your dinner table and get your kids thinking and say, We're, I'm going to have you bring your answers back to us tomorrow night. I want to know what you think, and I want you to back it up somehow. Why would we allow our kids to get put into a college or a high school situation where their teacher has the exact opposite view of you and, and, and not necessarily just view, because I think opposite views are good for us. There are things in our believing that are not true or right, and we need to listen to other people. But there are those that have a non-biblical view that is very worldly, and they are teaching your kids so you don't want them to be unprepared in their high school, college years and to hear it first from somebody else. You want those questions to come at your dinner table where you can look them up and you can talk about them and you can say, gosh, I don't know the answer to that one. Let's figure it out. You know, it's, it's good for them. Yeah. I did a really neat thing that I love in my family. I have a talk about it jar that yeah. I keep on the table. Yeah. So questions like that I fold up and put in, and then when we sit down to dinner, we pull one out. Mm-hmm. So it gives a form to talk to them, but they think it's random. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, don't be afraid to talk about hard things with them. And then I read this in a recent book. I'm reading this book called Forgiving Your Fathers and Mothers. Ooh, it's a good one. I resonated with a whole bunch of stuff on there, and I have worked on forgiveness for many years in my life, and I feel I've come very far in that. But the whole idea of talking with your kids about your story, do your kids know your faith story? Have they heard it? Do they know their grandparents' faith story, if they have one? And if you're first-generation Christian, make sure they know your story, because it's changed their whole trajectory for the good. You know what I'm saying? Tell your story to your kids. I remember telling each one of them at a separate time. And because I have dealt with forgiveness with my father, and I have dealt with um, restoration with my dad, my kids now can have a relationship with their grandfather that had I held that back in bitterness, they would have never had. And now, I mean, it's a great big long story, and my dad serves his life in prison. So in that, he has grandkids that will write to him and encourage him because I didn't close the door on him. It wasn't my job to punish him. He's being punished for what he did, right? All right. So... uh, communication, and it's going to look different with each child. I talked about I have a verbal processor. Sometimes I have to sit and listen for a long time. (laughs) My son has permission. I'm not good at listening. This is the love and listen section, which I probably won't get to today, but uh, he has permission to take my hand and put it under my chin and say, Mom, you're not listening. I gave him, I mean, that's what I did when he was a toddler, right? You're not listening to me. Look at me. And he'll say that to me when I get busy because I like to do as I listen, and then I don't really listen. Um, Another area as a mom that we train in is um, helping our kids in their image. Can we just talk about image for a minute? The world pictures a very different image than what I want my kids to have. And it's a physical image, a heart image, and a tongue image. 
The physical image, we all get that. We see it. We know it. We know what our kids are struggling against. But I want to just hit the heart image real quick and tell you that is your key. Because from the heart comes the behavior. From the heart, from the value that they have as a person, it will show the value that they act out in their physical behavior, in what they wear, in how they eat. All of those things are going to come from that heart. So how are we training their heart? I want to give you courage to train your child's heart. If they're misbehaving, there's a reason that is a heart problem. So um, if they're wanting to be like everybody else and wear clothing that everybody else wears, and you know it's not modest, you know that it doesn't honor God, that, that becomes a heart issue of value. How are they valued? And I would say to your husbands, that's a huge part of their job, is teaching them, especially your young girls, how valued they are as a person. I always said to my husband, you know, I want you to be physical with our girls. I want you to beat up on them like you do on our son. I, I want you to not be afraid to hold their hand or let them sit on your lap in, in all the good ways. I, because I wanted them to be secure that their physical touch could come from people that loved them. And they didn't have to go seek it somewhere else. And Mike was over all the physical outside stuff. He would take them shopping for clothes. Because there was a period of time you couldn't find a pair of pants that wasn't way down here, right? And I'd come home, I can't find pants for them. And he'd go, oh, I'll take them shopping. I'm like, OK. He comes back, he goes, OK, so we went for the really long shirts. <laughs> Because I couldn't find any pants that were shorter. We have a rule in our house. Um, we have shirts that are called bow wow shirts. If you bow and he says wow, you can't wear it. <laughs> so the girls might come down and say, we'd say that's a bow wow shirt. Go get a cami, go get whatever, fix it, you know, and then check their backpack. Oh, yeah, because they're sneaky. They'll just throw it in their backpack, change when they get to school. Something about that links with teenager. There's a little rebellion in there. But it's the whole thing of why. So it's dad, dad have a conversation with those girls on why. What goes on in a guy's head? And then guys, we got to train our boys too. We train them, especially with the tongue, about how they speak about women. From what I hear, there's this thing called locker room talk where boys will bash girls' physical you know, appearance. Like, oh, did you see her? Da, 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 da. I mean, and they, they tear down in those ways. And I don't want my young man to do that. I want him to respect women, to respect their strengths, as well as their physical appearance in what they say and how they say it. We've trained our son. He opens doors for women. He opens my door. If we go shopping together, even if I drive, he gets out, walks around, opens my door. I've sat there a long time sometimes. <laughs> He's in the door of the store. Oh, yeah, mom. <laughs> Not quite so bad, but that's part of it. But that heart image is a big piece of it. Um, I will say this. Some of you may have, be having a struggle with teaching image 
male and female to your child at this point in our culture, and that's hard. I just want to give you a little caveat there. Um, where did I put it? Because it's so important. Mm, I'm not finding it. Of course, I'll find it the second I look away. But I would say if you have a child that is struggling with that, I had a young mom who's like, my, my, son, my son, he just keeps playing with girl toys and something's going to be wrong with him. And I'm like, no, that's normal exploration for a kid. That's normal. Sometimes we need another mom to say that's normal. You know, so if you're struggling with that, you know, you can talk to him. I remember Caleb, he'd rather play Polly Pockets while the rest of us were playing Wiffle Ball in the yard. And I said to Mike, what is wrong with him? And he goes, he'll get it, he'll get it. And sure enough, I can't keep a bat out of his hand now. Like, he wants to play ball all the time, and he's in college. So it will, it will progress. But if you have um, a child that's struggling with that, this is a great book. Or if you're just struggling with the whole gender thing, gay, lesbian, all the different thoughts as you, you get niggled by it as you walk to a bathroom door and it doesn't say women anymore. And then you have to deal with the toilet seat up and the pee on the floor. You know, it's, sorry dads. It's, it's, there, there are things in this culture that are really hard. But this is a great book, People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. You won't know what he thinks until almost the very end of the book. And he presents a very biblical look at gender. Um, it's a great book. It is not an easy read. I'll tell you that. Okay? How are we doing? Oh, gosh. It flies. One thing I think about when I want to talk about um, heart image, I, um, I have often taken my kids to Psalm 139, where David... He gives that whole prayer of, you know, how God goes before us, he goes after us, he's beside us, he is in us, he is with us, he knew me in my mother's womb, the whole thing. And I often have sat down when I sense a child struggling with her self-image or his self, he wasn't as bad, but for my girls, I would sit down and put their name in it and read it with them. This is what God says about you and how much he loves you. And if I didn't take the time to do that, they keep going on struggling with self-image. It's a normal thing. How many of you struggled with self-image? How many of you still do it sometimes? Yeah, and that's another thing. Be careful that you don't push your struggle on your kids, you know? Um, I, I threw in there training the tongue, because <laughs> you're moms and you're women. Have you ever gotten trouble for something your tongue has said? Does your tongue ever get ahead of your head? Yeah. And guess what? Your daughters will too. And it's easy to get in a combat with them on that. And you know the triggers. Mike, sometimes he'll walk out and he'll be like, if, would you just stop with her? Like he's on me for it. And I'm like, well, it's her fault. I'm the mom. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. This is a female thing going back and forth. So what do our daughters pick up from us? They pick up our tone. How you speak to your husband, how you speak to your mom or your friend, they pick up that tone. And what you say about others, 
what you say about others. I was thinking in Mike's sermon about enemies. Like, I don't think I have a bunch of enemies. I can't even think of an enemy right now. I've had some, and I probably will make more. But I thought, who am I an enemy to by what I say about them? I might not even know them, and I'll say something of my opinion. So training our kids, girls, with our tongue is so important that we're on our own. And when you slip up and you say, oh, that is the most female thing I could have ever done, I need to take that back and say I'm sorry and say that didn't please God and it's not going to please you and I hurt you with it and I'm sorry. Important. Um, I know I need to, to wrap up. I love Peter when he says, you should clothe yourself instead with beauty that comes from within the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. That does not mean that, I, I mean, for me, I look at this and I, I know it doesn't mean that I can't be who God made me to be. I can't speak the way he made me to speak. But gentleness is required. And a quiet, a, a quiet spirit is precious to God. And I think even more so in relationship to him. You know, like, okay, I'm done trying to fix this, God. It is yours. Please take it. I can't fix my daughter. And it's not my job to. And she will tell me that. Mom, it's not your job to fix me. Because I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. Psalm 139. And then lastly, if you aren't doing good in the training or communication department of your house, set the reset button. Start again. Over and over. And then lastly is listening and loving them. And I always run out of time. And I I told Mike I put too much in. Sorry. And I want to tell you stories, and I can't do that and cover it all. But I will say this. uh, I have had to learn my kids' love languages. Do your kids have love languages? You've, You've heard that book, The Five Love Languages. It's a great book, and I figured out, like, mine is acts of service. If you do something for me, I feel loved. And if I can do something for you, I feel loved, right? Because I'm a doer. But my kids don't feel loved necessarily by what I do for them. Anybody else have that? You feel a little underappreciated? Yeah. Like, if, if they left their mess all the way through the house, I felt underappreciated and not loved. Because why wouldn't they think to pick it up? Because it really bothers me. And then I had to figure out, well, they don't know that my love language is acts of service. So I'm going to teach them. When you pick this up, it makes mommy feel loved. So how do I teach them? I have a basket. And, and this one child who constantly leaves a trail, I just follow her with a basket. And I pick it up. And I put it in the laundry room. And it's called the Saturday basket. And she didn't get it back till Saturday. And then Saturday before breakfast, cartoons, computer, whatever, play, she had to, I put it out in the middle of the kitchen floor, and it was her job to put everything back where it went. It got great when she was in high school and her homework went in that pile, because she left it sprawled all over the counter to go play the piano. And then her piano book got in that pile. And then she's like, Mom, I gotta practice my piano. I'm like, great, three bucks and I'll give it back to you. Or, I don't have three bucks. I'm like, okay, how about a chore? 
you know, you can go pick up your brother's stuff. <laughs> so just ways to help my children. Like I said, I'm highly practical, and I just wanted to help them, and it helped me because I didn't feel unloved because my space was still clean, and I was training her to put her stuff away, listening listening to what God was telling me and listening to the fact that she is different. And you know what? She's my most artistic and creative kid. And I love, she sends me the most beautiful cards, and she decorates her room so beautifully, if you can see it under all the stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. All right, well, I'm out of time. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I just want to encourage you that you're going to do a great job if you just let Jesus walk with you to do it. And that if you, you stick to your convictions, Mom, the things that God has put in your heart, stick to them. Stick to them. And you will grow weary and you will grow tired. That's what a vacation at Mount Hermon's all about, right? <laughs> Let me close this in prayer. Lord, thank you for, for um, hanging in there with me today. And for I pray that anything that came out of my mouth will be usable for your glory. And, and I really pray for each of us. We all need courage, even for those, um, those kids that are grown. We still are always mom. And our job, though it changes is so key in their life. And I pray that you continue to give us courage if we're doing it alone, if we're having to force things on them they don't like, like eat your peas, whatever. If it, whatever the issue, we, we want to walk humbly before you and before our kids, and we want to train them and teach them, most of all, your kingdom and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thanks. Go eat again.